Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We want to welcome you to our brand new series called Yes and Amen, where Pastor Nick talks about how to access the promises that are available in Christ. We're excited to see God's promises be fulfilled this year, and we want to invite you to join us in-house on Sundays at 11 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel to keep up with Sunday's messages every week. We love you, and now let's go into today's message. We've got some amazing stuff coming up. You know, I remember when we started in our living room and we had all this stuff in our heart, and you think you're going to do all these things, open youth centers and schools and preschools, and, and before you know it, it's done. And so everything we set out to accomplish in the first 15 years, we've cleared the bucket list. And so the Lord has got some brand new things for us over the next 15. So excited. Can't wait for our new broadcast, the Nick and Misty Show. That's going to be epic. That's going to be the bomb.com. So we're looking at all our uh, cameras and equipment that we need to get and lighting and setting up this place to be a studio. We're going to have all kinds of broadcasts happening out of here. It's going to be fun. Amen. Um, the Destiny Dream Center, that's going to open. You're like, you don't know what that is, but it's going to be a center for, for, for kids that have autism that really struggle, you know, and uh, there's, there's a big need for it in our community. Um, kids need help, and we're going to help them. Can you say amen? amen? This next generation are going to know God. Amen. They're going to know Jesus. Not some religious dead dude in a grave or hanging on a cross. The risen Savior with glory and power. The one that holds their destinies in His hand. When you encounter Him, life changes a little bit. Amen? Ha, shock Zulu, baby. So uh, we started a brand new series called Yes and Amen this year. And... Um, the Lord spoke to me last year, and He said that this year, uh, the word that He has given us comes from 2 Chronicles 6.15. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. And so um, the word the Lord gave me, He said, you've been obedient and done as I've asked you to do. You've been obedient to the leading of my spirit. So now you will enter into the year of suddenlies. Look at somebody and say suddenlies. And suddenly you will see the things I have promised with my mouth. They will birth and break forth in your life, and I will surely keep my word, says the Lord. And so the first uh, month, January, we laid the foundation for the series. And while I was at a conference in January, the Lord spoke to me and said, Set February as a month of praise. Make, declare February a month of praise, because from February, it's going to break us through into the rest of the year. The praise is going to break us into the suddenlies of God. And so we need to lay this foundation of praise. Uh, a lot of people think that praise is just time to waste while people get to church or something. There's weird concepts about what praise is all about. Uh, a lot of parents like watching their kids party up here and, and think, oh, that's so good. My, my kid is up there. Oh, so wonderful. And that's exciting. But praise actually breaks you into the power of God moving in your life to change your circumstances. It's a weapon. Look at somebody and say, praise is a spiritual weapon. And if you don't use it right, it ain't going to work for you. And so we want to gain an understanding of what praise is, why we praise, how we praise, who we praise. And our praise is going to a new level this month. God has given us a garment of praise. He's pouring out the oil of joy. And uh, we're going to see God break through in our circumstances. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and go into His courts with praise. You know, the God that we serve is the King of the universe. Look at somebody and say, He's a King. Right? And so, He's the King of a kingdom. And you've got to understand kingdom to understand the Bible. It's not religion. It's a kingdom. 
It's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different concept. And you can come into the throne room of the king. You can come into the presence of the king. And there's a way into that presence. And if you don't understand how to get in there, you'll, you'll, the guards will keep you out. Because you've got to get by the guards first. There's a guard room. That chop off your head. There's different rooms that you walk through before you come into the throne room. And you've got to understand the process and the protocol of coming before a king. You've got to come with clean hands and a pure heart. Very important. You've got to come with thanksgiving. Look at somebody and say, not whining. Thanksgiving. And we thank God for what is done. We thank God for what He will do. But we praise God for who He is. Right? He is faithful. He's good. He's holy. He's mighty. He can save. He can deliver. He can heal. He's the God who hears you when you cry out. Miss Jenny found out. She went to Catholic church all her life. She didn't know God heard her. She didn't know God could answer prayer. She got that revelation. She was out here praying outside the building. And she realized God actually hears me. You know, when you figure out that God hears you when you talk to Him, that's a huge breakthrough. It's not some dead God. No, He hears you. He's faithful. He loves you. And He's worthy of our praise. In the first week of this month, I spoke about uh, different words in the Hebrew language that make up the one word praise in the English language, right? So we just have praise the Lord. But in Hebrew, they got many words, and so I pulled out seven. I think there's even more than these. But when you praise Him on the instruments, that's called zamar. When you praise Him with a shout, everybody shout. Yeah, that's good. That's Shabbat. Praise Him with lifted hands. Everybody lift your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Yep, that's Yada. Praise Him with songs and music. That's Tehillah. When you praise Him by kneeling down, that's Barak. When you give Him the sacrifice of praise, that's when you don't feel like praising. That's when life is just miserable and you've got everything coming against you. And the last thing you want to do is praise the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Put your hand up right here if that's you. Like, yeah, I know how that feels. It's like going to the gym. You don't want to do it, but when you come back, you're glad you went, right? It's the same with praise. I don't feel like praising, but when you do it anyway, you yet praise Him. You praise Him for who He is because He's worthy of our praise. Something breaks through in your life, and you, you, have, you experience a freedom, and that weight that's on you pops right off you. Who knows what I'm talking about? See, the enemy wants to crush you with life circumstances. And if you don't understand the power in your praise, you won't do it right. You won't do it at all. But when you get the revelation of what praise does for you and you apply it, there's power in it. Hallelujah. So then, uh, my favorite, praise him with the dance. High praise. Yeah, bo, go, go. So high praise, this kind of praise is called Hallel which is the root word to hallelujah. And so this is, this is the right way to praise God. Lifting your hands, clapping, singing, dancing, shouting. Just lose your mind, mosh pit praise. Can you say amen? amen. And so we're going to give God the kind of praise that He likes. He's not scared. He invented this stuff. It's like, wow, they clapped their hands. That's, uh, that blows my mind. I never saw that coming. No, he invented this stuff. And so last week, we also spoke about pagan worship. And I addressed false worship and what it looks like today. We think, you know, pagan worship is these people in the old days, and they got horns on their heads, and I don't drink blood. I don't know what you think, but there's these weird concepts of what pagan worship is. But while I'm reading this, Lex, you can throw some pictures up there. So what does pagan worship look like today, right? So 
here's pictures of tens of thousands of people that gather at a place. They stand before an altar. They have a DJ that's a priest that leads them in worship. They offer up praises. They clap. They sing. They dance. They lift their hands in unity to a sound. They bring their offerings by paying hundreds and even thousands to get tickets. These festivals usually have an image set up above the DJ, their high priest. They get intoxicated by a variety of substances to experience something that is a counterfeit to what the real presence of God will give you. So that's false worship to false gods. Using the power of praise to do that mess. Let's go to the goat. That's an altar, guys. That's false worship right there. And people will look at that and say, no, that's a party. Yeah, well, what's happening at these parties? What are you experiencing at these parties? People are are doing painkillers to numb the emotional pain because they can't find freedom from that stuff on the inside. They smoke weed to feel peace. They drink alcohol to get joy. They take ecstasy to experience love. They drop acid to have visions hallucinations, snort cocaine to feel important. And then with all of this mess comes all kinds of sexual acts. Yep, girls get drugged and raped, people commit adultery, there's group sex, and this road gets very dark the further you go down it. Who knows what I'm talking about? I only bring this up because I lived in that world. I know what that world has to offer. Nothing. Can you say amen? Sorry. Proverbs chapter 2, 16 to 20 says, Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of a promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave, and the man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the path to life. So this is Solomon's talking about a spiritual principle here too. There's the spirit of wisdom that calls you, but there's also the spirit of the world that is a seducing spirit that wants to pull you away from the things of God. It is the spirit of the world. And you have to make a decision. What spirit am I going to allow to lead me? Am I going to allow a seducing, immoral spirit to pull me into the things of the world take that road, or am I going to allow the spirit of wisdom to call me, lead me, and guide me? And both of these calls are out there all the time, and you got to decide whose voice you're going to obey. Romans 8.14 says, those who are led by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God are the children of God. Matthew chapter 7.13 says, you can only enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. Say narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, or the road to destruction is broad. The gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And so in the beginning, it may start off innocent. You're partying with some friends, going to places to have some fun, just to check things out, but it's a very slippery slope. And before you know it, you're influenced and you're sucked into that world. And I'll tell you, once you're trapped in that culture, it leads you to a road of destruction. Look at somebody and tell them, You cannot live wrong and die right. Find somebody else. Tell them the same thing. Can't live wrong and die right. You know, I've never heard anybody ever say, when I was, you know, living this sinful life has been the best thing I've ever done. It's been epic. Man, my lifestyle is great. You know. You never hear people saying, going to parties, house parties, doing drugs, smoking weed, getting high, sleeping around, having no boundaries. It's been so amazing. I got promoted. Got a promotion at work. I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. My marriage is stronger. My kids love me way more right now. I got buku money in the bank. That's not what you hear, do you? No, you hear the opposite. That was the dumbest season of my life. I was close to death all the time. I almost died a thousand times. We did such stupid stuff. That's what you hear. We stole stuff. We wrecked cars. We went to jail. I got tattoos I can't get rid of. 
I lost respect from my family and friends. That's what you hear. And people are like, what, what was wrong with me? But when you're deceived, you can't see it. And when God breaks you out, you're like, thank you for the grace of God. Like, thank you, Jesus. I, I should have been dead. But you saved me and delivered me from that road to destruction. The enemy's plan was to steal, kill, and destroy me. But you saved me. You set me on a solid rock. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're going to be starting Kickstart here the first week of March. And I want to really encourage you. If you don't have a spiritual foundation, just come and join us. We're going to take a group through every eight, every eight weeks. Amen. We want to make sure we get a solid foundation laid in you and get you on this road, this road of faith, move you forward in your relationship with God. We're going to lead you out of the will of self through the wilderness and into the will of the Father. Can you say amen? We're going to break you out of the clutches of Egypt, bondage, and we're going to bring you into freedom. And you're going to experience things. You're going to have those mountain experiences where you encounter the glory and the presence of God. And those are the experiences that forever change your life. Look at the person next to you. Say, every single person in this place, including you, need to have encounters with God. Amen. And so that's what really changes your life. And on this journey, you're going to get your hands clean. You're going to get your heart clean. You're going to get your imagination clean. You're going to start acting righteously. You're going to start living right. Not because I told you to, because God spoke to you and set you free from deception. And you realize where you're off track. My wife is sharing a testimony. I mean, she's a, she's a minister. She's been in ministry 20-something years. And the Lord says, cut out the TV. You want the anointing? You want more of my presence? You want more of my power flowing through you? Cut out Netflix and Hulu. Spoke to her in the service. Delete them off your phone. She's arguing with God. Anytime God tells you to give up something that's pleasure to you, it's a fight. But when you make the decision, I'm getting rid of that junk, you're going to see the breakthrough. Because God would never ask you to give something up without giving you something better. And she's been waking up two, twice now since last week, Sunday, this week, God giving her dreams, talking to her while she sleeps. She's like, I love my sleep. She woke me up. Like, don't wake me up. God's talking to you. He wakes me up at 3 a.m. If he wakes you up from 12 to 3, you go spend time with him, and then I'll spend time with him from 3 to 6. But let me get my sleep time because my 3 a.m.'s coming. And I said this, I said, if you want to hear God talk to you, when he wakes you up in the middle of the night, get out of bed. Don't just lie there, talk to me while I sleep, Jesus. <laughs> no, get out of bed. Go to the kitchen, make a cup of tea. Don't do coffee because you'll be up all night long then. Cuban coffee at 2 a.m. in the morning. Awake for 24 hours. I know i got to get on my notes, but let me tell you the story because it's funny. So when I came to America for the first time from Africa, I have no idea what Cuban coffee is. I was raised on Turkish coffee. My dad's from Lebanon, and that's fine. That was fun. But listen, Cuban coffee is another animal. It's totally something. And I think this woman laced my Cuban coffee. I swear she did. But anyway... I'm down in Miami. We're waiting for my pastor to fly in from Africa. But, you know, he's arriving at like 6 a.m. in the morning. We were in Fort Lauderdale. We wanna, didn't want to drive back to Palm Beach Gardens. We said, we're just going to hang out. We're going to go to the airport and wait for the plane to arrive. So we're there. Cuban coffee place opens. We need coffee. Only coffee shop available. I'm with another pastor. We don't know what Cuban coffee is. We go, up, we go up to the counter. There are these three big Spanish guys ordering coffee, and they get this little thing, and they're sharing it. That's not a coffee. So we're looking at each other, and we're like, maybe they don't have the money. They just couldn't afford it. So I walk up to the counter, and I talk to the lady. She doesn't speak a word of English. 
She doesn't speak. And we're trying to mime and tell her what we want. And she's speaking to us in Spanish. And we're looking at her like, no, big one. Two. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. She walks in the back. She comes back. She gives us what we want. We dropped the whole thing, each one of us. I started hallucinating in Miami airport. The airport began to change colors. I didn't stop talking for like four hours straight. It was verbal diarrhea. And the pastor next to me didn't say one word. He just sat there looking forward like he, he was in his own trance. I swear that lady did something to my coffee. She dropped like a gram of cocaine in there or something. Anyway, so we were created to worship, amen? And that counterfeit experience that you have out there with all that stuff, it's supposed to mimic what you can experience in the presence of God. It's a counterfeit. And so when you make a decision, you know what? I'm going to put all that stuff aside. I'm going to live pure and pursue God when the joy of the Lord hits you. Oh, my gosh. And suddenly, joy hits you. And suddenly, the fire of God comes on you. You don't know the fire of God till you get the fire of God. He's the God who answers by fire. The fire, literal, like Moses encountered a burning bush and the bush wasn't being consumed. When the Holy Ghost gets on you and the fire of God gets on you, it cleans you from the inside. Yeah, ain't nothing like it. It'll get in your bones, in the marrow, and get up in there. And then it begin to flow through your bloodstream. And you begin to experience life and life more abundantly. Living this life, this year, look at the person saying, this year, you're going to have suddenlies. And suddenly the new car you need is going to show up. And suddenly you're going to get promoted. Can you say amen? And suddenly you get delivered from addictions. And suddenly the family member you've been praying for gives their lives to Jesus. And suddenly you're debt free. Boom, debt free. Oh, this is a good one. Suddenly you get healed. You're just sitting there and the healing power of God comes and breaks that thing off your life. Like the woman with the issue of blood that was struggling with an infirmity for 12 years. And Jesus comes and touches you. And suddenly you get delivered. Your body gets healed. Can you say amen? And suddenly the glory of the Lord overwhelms you and fills you. Can you say amen? We're going to live in the year of the suddenlies. Because last year the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to give a year's worth of wages as an offering. We gave $195,000 to other ministries last year. That's what we showed last year to other ministries. Amen. It was like 60% of our budget we gave away. You know why? Because this is all paid for. It's paid for. We, We don't need your money. I ain't here. Oh, please. Please, if you don't give today, we ain't going to make the light bill. Go count the offering in the back. We don't have enough this week. No, the Lord told us to start a business. We're going to be the head and not the tail. And this is paid for. Can you say amen? We stand here and we can minister without the worry of finances. Can you say amen? Uh, so we just help people. We do cool stuff. Can you say amen? amen? We love kids. We want kids to have the most epic experience they've ever had. We just bought side-by-sides. We got shipping containers on the back of the property. We got side-by-sides. I have a limo I'm going to fix up. It's still sitting out there. We're going to fix it up. We're going to pimp that limo out. I come by your house and pick you up. And we'll drink some new wine in the back of the limousine. Some of that Holy Ghost wine. Can you say amen? 
Hallelujah. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done in our lives. Let there be suddenly blessings on Monday, suddenly blessings on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every single day. In the middle of the night, wake us up and bless us, Jesus. We're coming under, oh, Shaka Zulu, baby, an open heaven. But the heavens aren't closed. They're closed in here, and God's going to break you open on the inside. You're going to experience new realms of His goodness and His glory. Can you say amen? Yeah! I've got to move forward here. I'm having too much fun. So last week also, I've got to get to this week's message. I'm like recapping. I've got time. It's early. <sighs> yeah, that's where we are. So uh, I started talking about the culture of kings last week, that being in the presence of a happy king is a favorable place to be. The minute that you're in the presence of an angry king, that's probably the last day of your life. Who watched those shows? King gets mad, off with the head. Bring me another wife. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 23. Mark 6, 23. Listen to this. Then his daughter, also named Herodias. I mean, they had some bad names. Herodias. That's a woman's name. Imagine your, your mother calls you Herodias. It's even hard for me to read. I think that's a guy's name, like... I guess it's the daughter of Herod or something. I don't know. It is? Okay. I thought you knew because I don't. So Herodias came in and performed a dance. Herodias came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod. So it must be Herodias and his guests. And this is what he said. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. Listen, all you got to do is do a dance, please Jesus, and a man, the guy's going to bless you. Listen, when your praise is pleasing to God, that's where we're going. Look at somebody say, when my praise is pleasing. Oh, God shows up in my life. Amen. That's who we live to please is Him. Amen. And so we're we're talking about uh, the culture of kings. That, you know, they would have these banquets where the king's court, the nobles and his advisors, they would come together and they would celebrate different things. Who's seen those king's parties? Anybody watch like uh, Avengers or Asgard and they just, you know. You know, governor. And so they're drinking and they're feasting. and They came back from battle. And then people would praise their king. You are the wisest king that ever lived. And they would cheers and drink and party and whatever. And you know, any time that you praise a king, the king would have to demonstrate what you're saying about him. So, you know, you are the wealthiest king that ever lived. Go to the treasuries and get me the gold that we got from Zartar's cave and then display it, you know? Because they got to they gotta boast. They got to show off their glory. Can you say amen? Go to the treasuries and get coins and give money to the poor. Oh, you're the greatest king that ever lived. All right? And it's the same with God. The minute that you begin to praise God for who He is, He begins to release his power to demonstrate that in your life. Can you say amen? Ah, praise is powerful. In his courts, in his throne room, there was celebration. There was dancing. There was jesting. There was a lot of jokes in in the throne room. They would bring the clowns in to entertain the king. Can you say amen? We're doing it right. Look at the person next to you say, this is the real deal. You're in the right place. You know, if all you're doing is, I can play dominoes better than you can. It, yeah. 
I did that for many years. I was in the Catholic Church for many years. Not once did God talk to me while I was in the Catholic Church. Not one time. I didn't have one encounter. I didn't feel the presence of God at all. But I felt the stares of people looking at me if I sneezed. When you're a kid and you're in a religious environment, your parents like beat you into submission. And they give you the evil eye. Who knows what I'm talking about? I got like the movie on that. And so we, we want to be free. Can you say amen? And we want to do it right. Can you say amen? Because there has to be power released into your life for change to happen. What good is it to spend hours in here on a Sunday morning, come to Bible studies, give money, serving kids ministry, but your life never changes? Can you say amen? And people's lives are really changing. If your life's been changing, let me see you. Put your hands in the air and say, that's me. And so we want to see God release his strength, demonstrate his ability, release his resource and his power into our lives. Amen. And when we call on his name, he's going to answer us. But, you know, here's a big part of the problem is we don't know who God is. Look at somebody and say, you cannot worship and praise a God that you do not know. And so we've got to get to know him. He didn't die to give us a religion. He died to bring us into his kingdom so we could have a personal relationship with the Lord. And so in the Old Testament, we read a lot about the names of God, right? And uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And he would do mighty things and reveal himself to the children of Israel. And they begin to discover different attributes about God. And they begin to see God break through in power, demonstrate, provide, heal, you know, fight for them. And so when they would have these experiences, they would create a memorial and they would begin to declare who he is. They would say, he is the God who heals. He is the God who delivers. And that would become his name. Amen. He's the great I am. And so I want to take a look at a couple of the names of God. Just so that you can get to know this God. Just so that you can uh, have a reference on who to call out to. And that it's something that you can do. So we are introduced to God in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1 it says, In the beginning. Oh, very good. In the beginning. So in the beginning is the first place. In time, in order, before anything else, God. Say, in the beginning, God. The word God there is the word Elohim. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. This word speaks of plural. Say, plural. So it's speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They had a little meeting, and they decided, we're going to create something. Can you say amen? This name rec represents or reflects the sovereignty and the absolute power of God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the almighty ruler of it all. Elohim is the glorification of the awesome power of God that is displayed through nature. Look at somebody say, it is the power of God displayed through nature. He is the one true God whom every star, every animal, every tree, rock, and human must bow down to. He's the supreme God. He's the ruler over all things seen and unseen. Man, I was walking on the beach Friday. And you look at the shells. You look at the trees. You look at the sands. You look at the ocean. You look at the sunsets. You can't look at nature and say God doesn't exist. Everything is so perfectly organized and ordered. You can't say there's no creator. There was a sudden bang and everything fell into place. Suddenly. There was a bang. Let there be light. It's the biggest firecracker that ever happened. Can you say amen? You can't look at nature and say God doesn't exist. We love being in nature. We love being outdoors. Just, it's so peaceful. Amen? Then there's another name for God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made 
the earth and the heavens. This name here is Yahweh. Say Yahweh. It is another word that is used for Elohim, right? He is the Lord. Um, it also comes from the Hebrew word I am. It's the covenant name of God. And it's held in such high esteem and considered to be holy where some people won't even say that name aloud. In the Jewish tradition, it is a holy name. There's such reverence for his name that it's like I'm not even worthy to speak his name. There, there, we have lost, I think, a reverence for God. I mean, we can have all the fun and we can have all of that, which is great. It's part of the package. But at the end of the day, we need to have reverence for who God is. We need to have respect for God. We need to have a fear of God. Amen? When God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he told him to take off his shoes because he's standing on holy ground. And God began to speak to Moses at the burning bush. And he, and he told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And Moses said to him, well, who am I going to say sent me? And God said, tell him I am the I am. Because Egypt had many gods. So which God told you to, to tell me to release my slaves? And he said, I am, I am who I am. Moses encountered the great I am. Say Yahweh. Adonai. Everybody say Adonai. Which means Lord God or Master. This is another word used for Yahweh. It is a reference to the Trinity, God in plural. Say Abba, Father. Abba. This name is mentioned three times in the New Testament. Paul in Romans chapter 8, 15, Galatians 4, 6. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 36. It is a reference to a deep personal relationship with God. It is one of the most intimate names of God. Everybody say Abba, which means my father, right? It represents childlike faith in a father who cares, protects, comforts, listens, and provides. When you call him Abba Father, when do you get to call him Abba Father? When the Holy Ghost comes, joins to your spirit, immediately you recognize that you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And you begin to cry out, Abba Father. You get to figure out that you actually have a father in heaven. We call him Heavenly Father. But when you realize that he's your dad, that before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. That before you breathed your first breath, he had a plan for your life. The thoughts that he has for you are beyond anything you can imagine. They're uncountable. There's a book that is written with your name on it, with your life laid out, all the good things that your heavenly father has for you. But you are the key that unlocks that book and taps into that knowledge through personal relationship. But you can't get it without the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? You see, and a lot of people, man, you're born into this world and all you know is the natural realm. It's all you know. You just follow what Hollywood does, what your culture does, what people do, what your parents do. And you can spend your whole life not knowing that there is a spirit world that you have authority as a child of God. And that you can come into the very presence of God and meet with the king of the universe. It is the most epic thing. And until you have these moments, you know, well, you, you're looking at me like, hey, yo, bro, you need to stop smoking Hunter Biden's crack pipe. <laughs> I remember the first time I encountered God. I went back to my little town, and I'm talking to people about my encounter. And people are like looking at me like I'm crazy. This is real. It's more real than this realm. Can you say amen? And you need to encounter him, and you'll know it's true. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. What does he do? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has God provided for anybody? In Genesis 22:14, 14, and Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And so what happened there, Abraham, God spoke to him. He said, take your one and only son Isaac, take him to Mount Moriah and offer him as, an, as a sacrifice to me. And so, you know, this is the son of promise. And he went, took him to the mountain. He bound him, had the fire, was getting ready to kill his son. He raised his hand with a knife, and God spoke. Sent an angel, don't 
lay your hand on the boy. And in the bushes, God provided a ram. Can you say amen? And that was the place where he realized, my God can provide. Say Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. It's only found in the Bible once and used by Abraham. Amen. Where God provided the ram to sacrifice in replacement for his son Isaac. Jehovah Rapha in Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He's the God who heals. Look at somebody and say, he's a healing God. He created you. He's got parts to fix you. He's the manufacturer. He knows how to fix you up. Can you say amen? And so uh, the name um, reveals the power of God to heal, repair, and rejuvenate broken areas of your life. Heal, repair, and rejuvenate. How many of you have ever had the Spirit of God quicken your physical body, and now you have strength like you were tired, but now you're strong? He can rejuvenate. Calling upon His name, Jehovah Rapha, gives us comfort that it's God's intent to make us whole. Then we have Jehovah Nissi. Yeah, these are weird words, right? I'm not Jewish, dude. But these were the names that the Jewish people came to know God by. But what I want to do today is I want you to realize that he's a healer. He's a provider. He's a deliverer. Amen. That he did all of this stuff in ages past. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he'll do it today. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, it ended with, you know, the old. No, it's still happening today. And you've got to know that it's available to you while you're praising him. And so here in Exodus chapter 17, verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua, because I will utterly blot out the memory of, the, of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nissi, which means the Lord my banner. So after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they went into this valley called the Valley of Sin. And they were thirsty and they had no water and they began to murmur and complain against Moses. And they tested the Lord there. And uh, the Lord answered Moses and he said, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you will strike, which you struck the Nile and go. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Herob, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Manasseh Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and, and tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord God among us or not? And so here we read the story where they're out in the wilderness, they're thirsty, they start whining and complaining, and the minute they start whining and complaining and murmuring, the Amalekites attack them. Look at the person next to you and say, the minute that you murmur and you begin to complain, you open up the door for an evil spirit to attack you. That's what complaining does. That's what murmuring does. Uh, an evil spirit, when you're tired, when you're weary, and when you're faint, and you begin to murmur and complain and say, is God with me? What you're saying is God can't help me, and now you open a door for an evil spirit to bring calamity and destruction to your life. In the moments when you are your weakest, do not murmur and complain. In your time of need, don't murmur and complain. Trust in the Lord and cry out to the God who can provide. In that moment, you need to put your garment of praise on and say, I will praise God because I know who He is, and He will deliver me from this situation. Don't get caught in the trap of using your mouth to allow the enemy to bring an attack on you and your family. Because the, uh, the Amalekites came behind the children of Israel. They were weary. They were tired. And the people that were stragglers behind, they began to chop them down, kill them, and destroy them. 
When you're at your weakest, the enemy wants to bring destruction to your life. That's not the time to murmur and complain. That's the time to open your mouth and begin to praise. That's when you're going to see the breakthrough. And so the Lord is my banner. And we see that they fought that battle against the Amalekites and they took them out. Can you say amen? And that's where he got his name. Jehovah Shalom. Who is that? The God of peace. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, we read about Gideon. And the Lord spoke to Gideon to take 300 of his men and fight against the Midianite army of 135,000 soldiers that had no military experience. Has anybody ever been up against a battle that is too big for you to overcome? You've got no experience. You don't know how you're going to overcome this battle. You don't know how you're going to get breakthrough. The, the thing coming against you is so big, it looks like it will destroy you. And in this place, the Lord spoke to him, gave him a strategy, and brought peace. In the midst of your biggest storm, you can be sleeping in the back of the boat. When you encounter the God of peace. Can you say amen? amen? Exodus chapter 34 verse 14 says, For you shall worship no other God because the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And so jealousy sounds like a bad thing, right? But he's a jealous God because he created you for himself. He loves you and doesn't want to share you with the spirit of the world. His jealousy is a fire that protects you from an enemy that wants to seduce you pull you away from him, and destroy you. The jealousy of God is a good thing. Can you say amen? Then he's known as El Roy, Roy, R-O-I, the God who sees me. This is a story about Hagar. Abram was supposed to have this child of promise, but him and Sarah are having problems with having a kid. So Sarah comes up with a great idea. Take my servant, sleep with her, and we'll, we'll have a kid. We'll help God out. Did it bring trouble to his house? Man, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. And so after they have the baby, Ishmael, there's a big fight in the house. Sarah gets mad. They go talk to God. God says, put Hagar and Ishmael out. Well, this is a baby. They're out in the wilderness. They've got no support. They've got no covering. They've got nothing. They're drinking their last bit of water, and her son's getting ready to die from thirst, from the heat. And she begins to cry out to God. And God answers her, and God sends an angel and provides water and makes him a promise. And she's like, this is the God who sees me. This is the God who hears me. This is the God who answers me. Can you say amen? Then there's El Shaddai. He's the Lord God Almighty. Say so he's almighty. There's nothing, no one stronger than him. Can you say amen? He's the all-sufficient one. He can fully provide everything that you need. And he sustains everything. He nourishes you. He protects you. He'll be your strength in your weakness. And then let me finish with this one, El Elyon. He is the extremely exalted most high God. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine to celebrate Abraham's military victory. He was a priest of the God most high, El Elyon. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And, he ble and, be, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all. And Abraham said to the king, I have lifted up my hand to Yahweh, uh, Yahweh, the God most high, El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth. And so when you bring your tithes and your offerings to God, we're bringing them to the God most high. Can you say amen? And he sees your giving. And he's God Almighty. He can provide. He can lead, guide, bring you breakthrough, favor you. 
There's nothing that the king of the universe cannot do for you. He can heal you. He can deliver you. He can protect you. He's the God who sees you. He's the God who hears you when you cry. He's the provider. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. He's the Lord of all things. He's your banner, your hand of protection. He's everything that you need him to be. Can you say amen? And this is the God we praise. This is why we praise. Because when you get breakthroughs, you can't help it. You know, Miss Jenny got a car delivered to her. She needed a car. She was crying out for a car. It's a need in her life. She didn't have the money to get one. And one of the parents walked into the school, into the classroom, and gave her the title and gave her the keys to her vehicle. And then he showed up at the DMV with a credit to meet the balance that she didn't have in her bank account. Don't, don't tell me. And the fact that she said, I'm just going to go to the DMV and see if God will show up, see what will happen. Talk about a woman of faith. I don't have enough, but God's with me. I'm just going to go to the DMV and see what happens. Boom. Credit, baby. That's ridiculous. I need some of Miss Jenny's faith, man. Just rock up. That's my building. I don't got no money for it, but he said it's mine. Can you say amen? I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me too. What's up with the family?